Yes. It's the Verrier Podcast, motherfuckers. Woo! We're here. We're here. We finally got Wes on here. At last. Long for time wh- coming. <laughs> for a while, I thought you might have thought better of doing this to protect your career or something, but then I'm like, I don't know if that's Wes's style. No, the point is kind of to be the person who has the career that's not uh, something you're protecting. Can't be taken. It's radical radical transparency. Ooh, yeah. yeah. We've been practicing that. It's a real important thing. Yeah. That's when I got free. I was around your age when I realized that. That's what got me free. I was like 27. I think, enough. yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people resonate with it, but when you stop giving fucks about if someone is going to be upset that you've done drugs, uh, yeah. it gives you a lot more free time, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't we spend a lot of time fucking worrying about, especially when we first get into drugs, when you're first exploring them in those headspaces? Well, we used to have to get into cars with strangers. Yeah. And that would definitely fuck you up anyway, because that's like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what do you here. mean, cars with strangers? Like to buy drugs from somebody. Oh. Think uh, about how it starts yeah. out in mostly everyone's life. It's yeah. shady as fuck. There's some Albanian guy who pulls up <laughs> and like sells you something that might be baby aspirin ground up in a little bag, and then totally. maybe it's broccoli, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of steeped in paranoia to begin with. But, yeah, I mean, when I started, when I got to the place where I was just smoking joints before I went into meetings, before I went into the most important meetings, the most important things in my life, I'm like, whatever, I'm owning my lifestyle. If if if, if everyone here knows I'm high, that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I've also had the luxury of only never having real jobs and working in music, which mm. is like you're powered by something anyway. You're a loser if you're not high. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, you don't smoke weed? <laughs> like, what's wrong with this narc? Yeah. <laughs> Toss me this fucking lighter. Oop. Nice. We have more than one lighter, but we'll probably just do <clears> this <throat> the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> so how do we introduce Wes? How, what do you say about a guy like Wes, Cos? There. What do you say? On his way to being one of the most interesting men in the world. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's a good way of saying it. Ooh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Show them your fingers, Wes. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is just the tip. Yeah, that's just, just the, the tip. That's just you know, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. That's called Ellers There's a lot of other syndrome. things he brings to the table <laughs> in his plate and his bendy fingers. <laughs> yeah, the one you gotta, gotta, gotta show him what's up. Yeah, I mean, to show me, you're like a big mixture of fire and air energy. Um, a lot of air, you give know. Me, give me that air energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I just found out? Wes is actually a cancer rising. We didn't know that. We thought he was something else. And oh, yeah. Someone fucked up my chart by like 15 minutes. But we hang out with a lot of cancers, and we've been noticing that. A lot of that. cancer energy. And I was like, it makes sense that you're part of this water yeah. flow. All, all checks out. And the crab is like orange. Yeah. Mm. It makes a lot more oh. sense for you. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. yeah. And the rising's how you present. Uh, no, no, it's not. Yeah, how you present like physically, your, right? It's your, yeah, it's your life force and your born body. And usually when people meet you, it's like what will come across to them in your energy. Because your son is really your chosen identity. So you actually have to like kind of conversate with somebody enough for them to be like, oh, I kind of get her universe is revolving around these ideals or these values. Yeah. Versus your life force is more of something that's not even in the front of your brain. It's just sort of like how you move through the world. 
Mm. Well, if it's orange, it checks out. <laughs> <laughs> You've embraced this whole thing, just being an orange person. Um, it started with a pair of Converse's that I ordered when there was a line of Converse's called the Chuck Twos, which have like Nike insoles, like Lunarian insoles, and they had like padding at the back, and they had elastic to hold the tongues in place. So if you remember all of the. Chuck like Taylor, they just fall like, to the side. They fall to the side, they destroy your arches, yeah. they ruin your feet. Yeah. And um, it was just the opposite of all of those. And the line was discontinuing. Um, so I said, screw it, let's just buy all of these 12 euro a pair of shoes. And uh, I bought this orange pair that I immediately started wearing to conferences. I was like big on the, the, the speaker <laughs> circuit for the music industry and marketing tech and shit like that. And um, the brand identity of those hyper orange sunset glow mm. chuck twos was like it immediately eclipsed the brand identity of the company that i was working for yeah, so okay. my boss got back from a conference in japan and was like yo wesley's orange shoes as a like personal brand has passed our you know, several thousand subscribers <laughs> industry <laughs> trade magazines notoriety like he got yeah. back and uh, all these people were like, oh, great to meet you. What do you do? And he's like, oh, I run Music Ally. And he's like, oh, what's that? And like, we're here all the time. Guy with the orange shoes. And like, oh, orange <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Wesley. <Yeah. laughs> and um, it slowly became a little bit more of like a monk-like uh, activity. And as like I started to meditate more and also like just vibe out a little bit more with colors mm -hmm. um, and presenting myself with a color palette. I think that's where I went through a big bright, bright, bright orange phase and then it's been softening out recently. Yeah, you're on a softer I'm orange I'm on a now. softer orange phase now. Yeah, I'm glad for the viewers. For the viewers, For the yeah. viewers' sake. If you showed up in that jumpsuit you were at Space Camp in. Yeah. Some of some of the <laughs> oranges like don't show up on camera. They're just so visible. They're like... You were glowing at Space Camp. And <laughs> your, your commitment to that outfit in the face of anything, cold, <laughs> cold. weather, <laughs> hot weather, whatever, you know? Yeah. You're a man of many mysteries, I think. And that's why it's like, I don't have a quick answer for, cause it's like, you're just, um, how do I put this to me? I know you're so much to so many people, but to me, you've been so like reliable and funny and interesting that I'm like, I get why everyone has like a very powerful relationship with you, but it's interesting that it traverses so many, uh, areas, you know, where it's like, you really are like. You were there in the music industry, but, like, I don't know you as a music man. You're just, like, my bestie, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my other half sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. Aww. Definitely. We definitely have the side girl talk a lot. <laughs> Some good shit comes out of those side talks. Some really good shit. Somebody needs to have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put, put everything right in the universe for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's how we know you. And it's so, when I think about this now, it's kind of crazy that the stars aligned in that way. Because how the fuck would we know each other otherwise? You just showed up at space camp not knowing what it was. Yeah. We met because I'd booked the weekend off, which is a very rare thing for me to do to block out like several days of nothing but something. Like, I never do that yeah. anymore. But like, um, booked the whole weekend off to just shoot music videos. And yeah. then mm. the videographer, for whatever reason, just like couldn't make it. And Oh, no um, way. Yeah, and that was it. So 
uh, Alexa, the then girlfriend of uh, my artist, Little Bird, was like, "Well, Wes, instead you've got to come to space camp with me." And I'm like, "Great! Oh uh, I already have the flight to Atlanta. Uh, I'll just come in the car with you and yeah. show up to space camp, meet you." Mm. I'm like, "Hi, Sean. What do you do here?" And you're like, "I'm one of the organizers." And I'm like, "Great! What, what is this?" <laughs> like, I don't really know. We're finding out, man. But I think it's also why our relationship is just so. Um, it's like the most organic. Of just like, hey, a bunch of paths came together and here here it went. Yeah. So like We weren't on any pedestal in your mind. You didn't know who we were. And it was refreshing for us. I was like, oh, man, some person that like knows nothing about this thing, they're here. And it very quickly felt like you were throwing the event and we were guests there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He was like, like, I moved to the water and <laughs> yeah. this is what you're looking for. Everyone's and, had hey, bananas. By the way, yeah. Everyone's good. Everyone's taken care of. of. When yeah. we thought we lost somebody, we were like, find Wes. We have, you know. <laughs> it was totally like... Yeah, and then, a- I mean, uh, quickly after, like, we were like, hey, let's take this into the real world, and had so many fucking adventures and so I many d- weird stuff. I literally can't keep up with what you're doing, though. You know, it's like one of those things, like, you're buying a factory, you're uh, living in Mexico, <laughs> you're, like, literally, all, you're pr- pr- going to be an Olympian, you're... <laughs> <laughs> so, the main things that I'm doing, just so some of the listeners know, is... um. I'm usually known for being an artist manager, so I manage some rappers and some some pop artists. Um, And then the factory they're referring to is basically a few months ago, uh, the music industry was still in a real drought uh, as far as live music isn't back. That's a shit ton of the money that's in the music industry. And uh, we're like, well, shit, how do we make money now? We should probably start selling T-shirts again. So I just kind of sought out the best people for like launching really beautiful clothing brands not just um like you know not pr- merch pr- you'd get at a show yeah okay yeah like stuff that would more be like stocked in a burberry or uh selfridges or like you know a real gq kind of launch thing instead of like buy this on tour mm. um and found some of the just the the best designers and factories in the world for that and one of my artists went and visited a factory and it was my first time going to a clothing factory and I really, uh, I'd never seen in real life people performing the roles of machines so consistently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, if people are mechanized, why on earth, like, how do we improve the quality of life that they have? Um, and like, how do we increase the love that they have at work and how do we increase like their capacity for creativity and play and like, you know, the, the connection that they have with all the things that they're making and the guy at the factory and, and the merchandising company were like, shit, you're onto something. Do you want to like be our partner and change shit? And I was like, thank you. That's exactly what I, exactly what I wanted. (laughs) And, um, so I basically then just tried to convert a factory over into like, a play-based um, art installation kind of thing, and this whole this whole thing has been a very long three months in which I've learned a shit ton about how factories around the world work. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't been particularly fun, and a lot of it has come down to I think I really just have to start this from the ground up yeah. with a new factory because wow. when something's in place, it's just like fuck that. Do you think it's in your genes to not have limitations? You know, like that you had a family that were Olympians and that sort of thing. Like, do you think there's something in you or do you think it's passed down that like, because like I would never, 
you're like taking on whole new ventures all the time. Yeah. I think a lot of it. <laughs> well, Taurus, I'm going to go ahead and stop you on the eugenics conversation. <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> yeah, eugenics. Because the last time we let a Taurus run with that one, it got a little bit off the rails. I'm like, I was going to say, it's because he's an Irishman. <laughs> yeah, it's because, it's because I'm Irish. It's the master race. It's that simple. But no, I mean, my, my family, uh, my grandparents are like inventors and teachers and like uh, my family has like a lot of just like world level athletes and both of my parents are just teachers and uh i had i had this conversation with my mom like two years back when i was like 26 and she's like you know your dad and i never really gave you advice and you never asked for it and Mm. like i was like oh that's interesting she's like yeah you just kind of you're going on this path and it's working so just keep keep going and Mm. it's it's going but like i think a lot of limitations, um, other than, like, there are certainly circumstances of one's birth and, and position and, you know, caste-like things or, or wealth that allow you to have different resources to work with at the start. But, like, um, I don't think a lot of rules apply unless you let them apply. Yes. Like, work a nine-to-five. Uh, yeah. But why? Why not work, a, you know, three-to-seven? And work harder in that time and sleep in Mm. late and go out at night. And, you know, I think um, a lot of it, like, came together for me when I was going to college. And I really just had this goal to get through a bachelor's as soon as possible. So I just hacked together, like, credits from six different schools and presented it to a registrar's office one day. And was like, I'm done. And they're like, you're not done. You have two years left. And I was (laughs) like, screw you. I'm out. And eventually people just can't stop you. Mm. And, uh, I have like, the other thing is I have some like reasons that like I started to do things very quickly, like doing grad school quickly or like college quickly. Cause like when I was in high school, I can't even remember if I told you guys this story before, but like I was a really, really good saxophone player Yeah. and because my fingers are weird and they do all this, this, <laughs> oh this God. crazy stuff. I had these, um, these hand doctors, um, doctors, sugar, sweet, and Valentine. I think I might've told you. Yeah, this <laughs> so the hand doctors are named Dr. Sugar, sweet, and Valentine. And you they should look have at been my tipped hands. off that we were not living in a real reality. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. That's where you're like, Oh, the rules are mine. Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> they took one look at my hands and they're like, Oh, you're going to have like monster arthritis by the time you're 18. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be a professional saxophone player then, which was like basically what I wanted to do. Mm. And then I got really into singing um, I went to school for like opera performance. And then while I was in school, uh, in college, a doctor was like, yo, you got thyroid cancer. We're going to chop out your whole throat. And I was like, well, guess I'm not going to sing. And then turns out neither of those things happened. And I just like the next, the next person who came along was like, oh, you've got like a heart thing. You probably shouldn't run marathons as I'm running marathons. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, maybe don't listen to these people anymore so like health risks aside i'm not telling people to ignore doctors but like um when three out of three doctors told you you had like you're gonna fucking die from these things and uh don't pursue careers on those paths and they're all just a hundred percent wrong damn dude. it was like it was like hey maybe we just make our own ways yeah. but did you keep but running marathons like are you still running i'm marathons? not right now but i mostly stopped because i started flying 200 times a year <laughs> and it just wasn't and yeah. yeah it didn't become conducive to the lifestyle but now that is something i've been getting back into and when i moved to tulum in december i just started running and swimming again every day and it's like amazing but i um the reason i got into marathons is because like when i was 
in college, aside from doing two degrees in two and a half years and like the theater department and shit, I was like, I'm bored. I don't have enough stuff to do. So I just started to see if I had the runner like Olympic genes that my other family members had and like really push it far and it works. So that's it's it. The fun thing about marathons too is most of the best ones are older because it just comes down to kind of like discipline. Yeah. But the really cool thing about it in my mind is like, there's some expectation that the next generation of super athletes are just going to be keto monsters who mm. are powered on being able to you know run on ketones and taking fat really efficiently instead of just like carb load run from there the the main traditional sports uh, environment. So like. I'm kind of just like holding myself in ketogenic prep for yeah, you're good at that when they actually know how to fucking do that because they just don't yet. You've been a keto bro since we've known you, man. Totally. I totally forgot about that aspect. And on modafinil. Modafinil. <laughs> I take oh, modafinil dude. maybe like once a week. At so, time. but what is it? What? So modafinil is like a wakefulness drug, and if you've seen the movie Limitless, it's kind <laughs> of like it's kind of like what that is maybe based that's on. Or mi- maybe no, that's what we're missing. We need some of that and, shit. And everyone from oh, I've got it with me. Incidentally, uh, well, we're on acid today but well that's feels similar i learned the lessons <laughs> from watching uh limitless though but you know i mean everyone from bezos <laughs> to musk yeah. to steve jobs they all were like modafinil, modafinil, modafinil really so it's there's definitely some common denominator between the way it works and uh some very productive humans but the the thing about modafinil is it makes you very awake and clear mm. but it doesn't make you edgy or like like coffee jittery like coffee like i have a hard time with caffeine i do not like adderall at all but um you also can sleep on it and get rem sleep on it which is like mm. hey that's weird um yeah. so you've got this drug which basically turns on this wakefulness part of your brain that's only usually around for a couple hours a day right before sunset when people would be seeking shelter and like you get really awake right before Mm. sunset and you like seek out everything that you need to like finish throughout the day and you know that's the time that that uh that part of your brain is usually open and that turns on for 15 goddamn hours (sighs) and you're just like locked in and if you have a list of things to do it's really really good yeah um some people will say it doesn't help with creativity i think you just think enough that like or do enough that it does help with creativity but yeah i wouldn't try to like i don't know write poems on it all day yet. when it's supposed to be your best time of day pretty much right but you're most awake it's right time of day sunset? at one point is right before sunset that so. is my most dead point of day that's so, so funny. I'm like, I can't. It also depends on when you eat and the temperature yeah. and how physically active you've been, all that stuff. But like, as far as like the the adenosine levels and um, there's your body basically acquires like sleep debt the longer you're awake. And if you if you think of staying up all night, eventually you get your second wind because yeah. you've overcome the cycle of your brain of your circadian rhythm that's mm. like, all right, we should be sleeping now. And you come back into the come up of your awake part. Cool. Uh, it, it, that's yeah. a wild ride. It's a young man's game. I yeah. It's a young man's <laughs> game. You know, I do like <laughs> to do it maybe once a year, but yeah, I, I, you forget about that. Like when you're a kid and you have a sleepover or something, you're all excited. And then like somehow you're catching a second wind at like three in the morning. It's like, whoa. I mean, do you guys ever pull up. all-nighters for any reason at this point in Acid. life? Acid. 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 Okay. And like yeah. once a year. Yeah, we just did mm. it uh, basically up at Joey's. No, we didn't. 
No. I slept for like seven hours. Well, <laughs> you're oh, oh, you're <laughs> saying, you fucking idiots. You guys have never gotten less than uh, like eight hours know, around me since I've met you. I know. I know. We like to sleep. Yeah, you but guys we switched the schedule a little bit, you know, like to accommodate because like I like watching the sun come up. I I love that Same. stuff. But yeah, my body can't naturally do that no, for you no got, reason you, It costs you. I, I'm, I'm at this new place where... I wouldn't say I'm addicted, but I realize that nicotine really helps me. <laughs> and I probably it's something that's worth saying because a lot of people knock it. Yeah. Yeah, I probably should not should, but I've come to this place of like great appreciation because recently I've been using nicotine um, like once a day, like when I feel like a little fried out or like that I've hung out or just like been conversing with life and people and whatever for, yeah. for too many hours. Not that there's a too many hours, but you just get to this point where you're like fried out, whatever you're an introvert. Mm. And then I do nicotine and I'm like, feel amazing. I'm like, I could go another 10 hours, but it's not like I got an addiction to nicotine. I just used to go into the evening fried out and not like do recuperate yeah. until uh. the next day. So now I'm like, oh, there's mm. these things that actually really help us. And it's just this like game of inputs. Like Mara really put it well is like talking about how we just like put, keep putting stuff into the brew and you put one thing in and you have to put something else to like balance it out, whether yeah. it's like caffeine and then weed and then this and then that. And then when you don't do anything, you can get really clear and go on like have these natural highs, but like life is too fun to not do weed or coffee or nicotine or whatever it is. So it's, I don't know. I feel like I'm having a different dance with my vices lately. Maybe they don't have to be vices. You know, maybe we could reframe them as, as things that help you. The things with the vice tax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's, there's nothing I do every day except for drink water at this point. Um, I take some vitamins almost every day and like a bunch of silly supplements, but... Not that silly. Well, you have the Joe Rogan on it. Uh, on it. You, you yeah. have a six-month <laughs> supply. <laughs> on it. Total human. No, I got a, a giant <laughs> supply of on it. Absolutely. And and a lot of people do like the on it stuff is like a great nutritional blend, but a couple individual items out of it, you would feel the first time you took them. Really? Like Alpha Brain. Like if you take Alpha Brain, oh my God, you take that I've shit on its it. own. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. We had we only had like a two week supply and it was so expensive. I was like, Yeah, Fuck, it's so man, expensive. I, I can't keep going with this, but I did feel a difference. But what is that shit? I mean, that shit is basically um acetylcholine uh precursors and acetylcholine is like the chemical that your brain needs to access and create memories. Whoa. So that's pretty helpful. Wow. Um, that's pretty cool. I d I can't remember. It's probably the, a mushroom that does that. I think it's cat's claw and a couple other roots. Um but I also do the Stamets 7 blend almost every day. And That's that, fancy. honestly, I don't think I would ever say I've physically or mentally, like, noticed that mm. on its own. But I don't know. I fuck with it. So. I feel like I've noticed Lion's Mane as a real mm. um, clarity. clarity thing, you know? Your mind is, like, super supported and maybe more connections are being made. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, like... <clears throat> I've spent a lot of time in my life like wanting to like figure out how to and I'm on I get to this place now where I'm like I don't care as much or I just trust that the good stuff will find me and then mm. when I get the right messages at the right time or like you know you could tell me meda about modafinil for like 10 years until like, I'm ready to hear modafinil and I'm like oh, okay I'll try that you know yeah, I mean how many years have you taken kratom before you're finally like maybe a week ago like I like this stuff I like this <laughs> I'm, I'm like well, yeah we've been taking it for fucking like seven years so 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kratom was wacky. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and really like these plants, these consciousnesses, these friends, just like our human friends. Like what a blessing it is to have these outside sources as tuning forks mm. and not have to insource everything all of the fucking time and be totally alone in this universe. You yeah. know? Um, and I always talk about when we talk about sobriety, about the idea that it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite who's yeah. perspective sober. on sobriety. Who's sober. Um, Cause yeah, the idea that you are ever going to exist uninfluenced by things around you is a total joke. And you get to be an intentional alchemist in this lifetime. Right. You know, with the friends that you're around and the people that you let in and the drugs that you do and the food that you eat and the thoughts that you think. Um, and that's kind of like where agency, I think, enters our life when you're traversing like all the dimensions that we're traversing through the yeah, totally. wild and uneasy universe, you know. But um, even drugs, like even thinking about something not as a drug is sort of putting this like good, bad you know, demon angel description yeah. and judgments on the different things that I don't even like the language that I'm about like to cope, you know, that's how we think of it. Cause that's how it's fed to us. But it's like, no, it's like, how do you want to interact with the things around you? You know, well, how do you want to curate your life? You yeah. know, when you think of like, Oh, I need to listen to this music to cope. Like it's the same is the same. It's the most powerful drug. It's yeah. Music. Totally. More physics. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. More physics. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about it as medication versus just like choices because yeah. even on the last podcast I talked about alcohol, which I love talking and shit on alcohol. Yeah. But, um, but I also, it's a hell of a drug. I just also feel humbled by it because I feel like I get these messages like, yo, you can judge, but like know that the people who drink like accomplish a lot more than you in life and that because they do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they have to maybe balance it and that life is all balanced and like I don't necessarily have the right prescription. I think I'm doing you all right. For you. I think I'm doing right. all right for me, but also knowing that, you know, there is something about alcohol that can give you rose colored glasses. I think personally, mm. I think it's over celebrated in a culture for how much of anxiety increases, how it can d disrupt families and whatever. But um, that doesn't mean that, I don't know, I'm, I'm just becoming more kind and about all this stuff. Yeah, and also understanding, like, like most interactions with the rest of the world outside of yourself, there is an element of fire to Thank it. You. Right. Mm. You know, and um, we're all on different karmic paths, and we all have different power dynamics with our own fire and with the fire outside of us. Right. And some of us are on paths where we're really in control of it, and some of us are on paths where we're doing this more, like, submissive power dance with it where we're not right. sure what you know um i mean you you uh fucking yesterday as we were pulling up you were like i like that you smoke tobacco sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and i was like my heart started racing in like a different kind of i was like what is this this is like i love that and then you told me you're like it was very there romantic. Has some controversial stuff it, it was very like to romantic say. to say that to me you know like that's so oh my god you know she's like i know that's controversial <laughs> i probably shouldn't tell you that but like i like when you smoke it and i'm like I do too. <laughs> I do Mary too. Bear wants you to die sooner. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole thing. I, I was just She's like, like, don't live on this earth without I, me too long. I had, a, I had a grandfather who smoked cigarettes who worked out every morning, lifted weights before his full time job. Mm. I, I don't before think they he necessarily was kicked off the planet and didn't die of natural causes, but uh, yeah, they're not a death sentence, and I don't smoke that much tobacco. It's an added. I mean, again, like we, we talk about drugs, the placebo thing comes in too, right? Mm. Because yeah. like now we know that that has basically the same amount of um, ac or ac positive accuracy as most drugs that we prescribe people, and you know, really for healing and detriment. Like if someone's right. like, "Oh, this is bad for you," and you just keep doing it, and you're like, "Oh my 
God, I'm killing myself. Oh, well, that's how I used to get with food is thinking like, oh, I'd eat this thing and I'd think it's bad for me. And I was literally like uh, creating health issues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Weaponizing everything that went into her body. And then also being too selective about my diet that I'm like only eating sweet potatoes. And then that goes (laughs) in the wrong direction. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's I really think like how allergies come up in people you know it's like mm-hmm. these subconscious spin outs where you think that you can't interact with something like you're incapable of doing yeah it. you right. can't interface with it and then it gets into your cells to a point that they're like ah mm. you know i'm declaring myself not allergic to nuts anymore so like yes because that was gonna be a I controversial did. topic in our relationship it was yeah. a whole thing like i spent i spent like Mary doesn't want you allowed on planes just uh, she just wants you to drop uh, do we need no, everything we need to, to go be there. aired we don't need to go, we don't need to go there <laughs> That's hysterical. If I had anybody's, yeah, okay. But like, I used to, I used to like have to That's go to the hospital after I ate pistachios, <laughs> and now, dude. now like, I know your your body changes a couple times throughout life as far as like allergy development and stuff goes. But I'm also gonna say, I just kind of ignored that part a lot and yeah. just kept fucking eating them and like. Ooh. Cashews, pistachios, almonds. We're back, baby. Oh, Are you man. serious? We're You're back. fucking around. I had now? I had almond milk yesterday. I had cashews two days ago. I had like a, a wrap that was like filled with almonds. I'm like, I'm fine. Yes. I had pistachios in, in Miami two well, weeks ago. Well, isn't it because like, we have like a cycle of seven years where our body like that, yeah. regenerates every seven years, so you can lose certain aspects of yourself. It's time it, to give it up. It's, I, it's, I saw it's that more fun to say that I acided out. I don't of think my you were system. limited to seven years. I think you got that all the time. Yeah. I also yeah. think I there was Every someone moment. who was deadly allergic to peanuts. That was that was me. I was <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That you're not hope anymore hopefully. Um but <laughs> I think that there's like there's regimens where you can eat like a peanut M&M every morning. Yeah. And you can get like kind Used of your body it. like acclimated. I heard Don't of them doing this. some trials not um, a with MDMA yeah. <laughs> and it was helping people uh yeah. get over being allergic to cats. Yeah. They take MDMA and be around cats who are allergic to them, and then they weren't allergic to them anymore. I'm, th- I'm telling you, a lot of my cat and, allergy was thrust on me. And uh, a lot of the times they would get allergic reactions from people, too, with, like, fake roses if somebody was allergic to roses. They did a lot of placebo experiments with allergies as well. Oh, placebo and they would get allergic so to the fake rose. Yes. So it's so, something. So it's a psychos, like, deep psychosis. Like, who knows what happened like to them in a past. autoimmune stuff, you know wow. what I mean? It's like. Yeah. Well, that's why MDMA is good because it's anti-inflammatory. Yeah, and there's, the there's anti-inflammatory good pro- is a huge part. Good properties yeah, about it too. that probably can heal you. But it also makes me wonder what happened to people with roses in past lives. Like, don't you think it must be some sort of or cats? Like some of these oh, triggers yeah, of that course. are um, of course food things or fear things are like coming from. Well, uh, I loved when they proved a couple of years ago the rabbit study with the generational trauma. I mean, not that it's like something to celebrate, but it is something to celebrate how uh, they it's traumatize memori- rabbits. Yeah, they traumatize oh. rabbits like they always do. Robert's yeah. gonna oh. fucking scientists. They'll get their tough <laughs> deal in this life, man. But you know, uh, like whenever they heard a sound, they would get like a shock or whatever. And then the kids would have the same sort of reaction. Mm. And the grandkids would have the same sort of reaction. So we wow. got to understand that it, trauma is passed down in your cells, in mm-hmm. memories. So yeah, like maybe it was a past life. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe right. it was, you know. Great, great grandma. Totally. That's, there's like this um, biblical line somewhere of like the sins of like the father will pass down two generations or some shit oh, like yeah. that. And you're like, ooh, oh, yeah. ooh, to be oh, reinterpreted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you gotta be straight for your little children's. Yeah. I mean, or not have them because you're like, fuck it, let's, <laughs> not, let's not end this burden right now. <laughs> Why we keep pulling people into this madness? Come on, because if we don't, someone else is anyway. Leave them alone. <laughs> hmm. What about the hungry souls that want to? They're incarnate? already here. They're here already. We're the hungry souls. 
think someone if- I'd never heard that until like two days ago, and someone was like, uh, one of my exes and I were hanging out, and she's like, "You've slowed down." And I was like, "Yeah." Motorcycle accident did that to me. And she was like, it's good. You had some real Hungry Soul stuff going on. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And she's like, oh, well, uh, you guys can probably describe it better than I. But in much of Buddhism, there's kind of an idea that souls that left Earth unfulfilled will come back seeking like extreme experience a lot. Mm. And if you see people kind of living like for the next highest of highs, which I would definitely say... I'd that's us. That's Wait, this room. <laughs> this room. Hungry Soul Club. Yeah. Hungry Soul Club. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. A new podcast coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see it astrologically as like a strong, like dragon head placement too, a strong north node um, in your chart. Um, so you have this like incessant, uh, literally hunger, hunger of the soul out there in the world and different people have different uh, placements and different strengths um, that come out and they're more apparent to me in different people. But I was also talking to my mom a rare occasion yesterday about, right. about this and about being around different levels of hunger in relationships Yeah, and right. how sometimes that can come into conflict. Mm. Um, and mm. essentially just bringing it down to like speed too. We were talking about physics earlier where you can bring it all down to physics. Like some people just, I think are built karmically and energetically to be running at a certain speed and to be running fast. Right, mm. be carrying certain mm. burdens, and when they're not, you can feel really, you know, you get into depression, you get into manic depression. Yeah, and they're unfulfilled. But some people mm. are also feel like are definitely not. <laughs> yeah, you know, you like meet the them, and it's more of like a like me. Yeah, there, well, there's more of a yeah, there's more of a there's different value system and a different intent about it. So, um, yeah, because if you got like that fire, that Aries Mars placement, and whatever house you know, in your body, you might be a runner, right, or Right. sexy right and if you don't run that'll probably manifest some other way mm-hmm. yeah Jeez. i don't know i like going fast i don't mind going slow that's great yeah and it'll shift that's the f- that's the fun thing about getting older is like now i have enough of a sample size in my life where i'm like wow things change like oh I yeah w- when i was wes's age i was really the same way but it was just films like yeah fucking let's get this let's do this fucking yeah. shit and it calmed down you know, it totally. really calmed down and I'm still really inspired and still really want to make stuff, but it's from a different, it's coming from a whole different perspective now. Totally. I think we have moments of being or extended times of being more introverted and extroverted too. Mm. Yeah. You know, in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel or like I'm, like I'm still recovering from like this first chapter of filmmaking I did and like the, like I, I fucked around so much and kind of, uh, got a lot of attention for it and I'm like I've been recovering from that yeah. while you while. were while <laughs> you were in your real go 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 let's do this yeah. phase were there like other people that you were just like keeping an eye on like at the same time and you're like oh my god what are they doing what oh, are like they peers what are we doing? I don't know I, it's like were there people who gave you either insecurities or you used as benchmarks or things like oh, that all the people like and it's not even to knock them but like the people that i thought were way more talented than me working at history channel that's what i was like freelancing over there and i could have still i could still be doing it. a lot of those guys still are god bless them but like i thought they were more talented than me and they were still around there and uh i was just like there's got to be a better way than this this isn't why i got into filmmaking like come on so it was it was just really that like i just don't want to get stuck i don't want i didn't want to stagnate so mm. I, I remember i made this uh I, I made my my first short film and i was putting it together for sundance and an edit with a with an editor and he's like 45 years old and he was like a real deal straight shooter and he was like he just turned around to me he was like use this to get out of all this he's like you don't want to be sitting in this edit room when you're my age and now I'm starting to be his age, and I'm like, whew, 
whoa hmm. like that was i remember that day like i was like cool yeah i made this sundance film and like uh yeah awesome i'll be back here doing history promos and he's like use this to get out of here man yeah and i was hmm. like all right cool yeah i will let's just like let bygones be bygones and, and keep moving on but yeah th- the main inspiration for me and for us is like there's bands like jeff the brotherhood or kurt vile that are my age and I see, like, they always end up putting out an album when we put out a film, and, like, you kind of see where they're going, and they're getting more far out, and then saying, like, fuck it. Then they sign with the major label and say, fuck them, and made the, make the weird thing. So, like, we're m- mainly inspired by that. Or, like, yeah, seeing the filmmakers that you love who, like, bake the unpopular thing, and you're like, oh, that's a path. That's an option to oh, not yeah. give a fuck mm, about. Not, who cares if anyone watches this? Because those, are, I'm grateful that stuff. film exists. Like, that's my favorite thing that they've done, and they and they were doing it f- almost just for me, it feels like, or f- just for them. And I'm like, get to like, Les benefit Blank from spent that. three years of his life fil- filming Leon Russell from 1971 to 1974, just immersed in Leon Russell's world, made this masterpiece of a film. And Leon Russell was like, we can't put this out. And it didn't do anything for like 40 years. And then it finally comes out and it's like a fucking game changer type of fucking project. Hmm. And it must've broken his heart that that didn't come out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had brushes with things like that, but, um, yeah, I mainly just will like want to, I, I want to make our work and stay inspired and keep making stuff through whatever medium we're messing with at the time. Right now it seems to be podcasts and community and stuff. Have you seen the, um, what is it? So Ray-Bans and Facebook and Instagram are putting out glasses that like just, it's Ray-Bans, but you record shit. Oh shit. Interesting. And I have like spatial audio and everything too. Snap, Snap's been trying to do this for a while, but yeah. like, I just love it's gonna revolutionize porn. As I was, it's gonna revolutionize a lot of shit. As I was walking over uh, to the train to get here, like I was listening to this one album uh, by Fred again, and it came out during the pandemic, and it's fucking heartbreaking and beautiful. But like, um, it starts with this song that goes, uh, "If only you could see yourself through my eyes," which is like a beautiful line. And I'm just walking around with my noise canceling headphones on through the city, and I'm just like, "Wow!" Just imagine like seeing everything from someone else's point of view, hearing everything that they're hearing. And like, that's a cool empathy building, Oh yeah, like life kind of enhancing experience. And I think like, that's a really nice opportunity. I I don't think like VR or anything like that is there yet. But, um, but as far as just jumping into somebody else's eyes mm-hmm. for like an artistic second as like they're blocking out the world and they're just going about their day seeing what they're looking at are they smiling at people are they blinking a lot are they like mm. there's just it, it made me self-reflect a whole lot um just that line and the knowledge that pov yeah cameras are built into glasses now and you're yeah. like that's that's cool yeah we all serve we all serve our own gods and masters and that's why it's like funny to talk about this because like maybe some of it relates with someone else because they have maybe similar astrological placements but ultimately there's no like right way to do this thing and that's cool too because mm. you you can see it from like expanding to different people's perspectives but it's kind of cool that there's all this stuff that you can't ever see that pre-programmed stuff from their great great grandmother or whatever like there's no true way to jump into someone else's skin unless you take a very good amount of acid, probably. Yeah. <laughs> this also got me thinking, <laughs> interestingly, I've been thinking a couple of days about, um, uh, so on like, the other day I watched Ready Player One and Altered Carbon mm. in one night, and Ready Player One is like a big VR-based game where like, it's 
30 years in the future and everyone has like an omnidirectional treadmill, a haptic shoot suit, a VR headset and life outside basically sucks. Yeah, and they live in like trailers that are all like piled on top of each other in like a dust bowl. Yeah. yeah. And then um and then altered carbon is like space age shit. Time doesn't matter because we can just take all your memories, put them on a chip, poke it in the back of a a human meat suit and now your brain isn't that human and like you can just keep unplugging that stack and putting it in other skins and and going from there and like each time there's an adjustment um but eventually like you can just like update your stack into the cloud and go from there and i was i spent i I was watching this like these two movies side by side just trying to take notes on all of the different things required or able to do to your own identity in both of those worlds and like imagine if you wanted to build a Westworld version of you like and we just started with like Alexa every conversation your iPhone's heard and like mm. there's already a Black Mirror episode about this of yeah. like yo just plug in your phone and give it access to all of your conversations with this person and it'll make this person as accurate as possible mm. and like that can't be that far and one of my cyborg friend buddies is like, Wes, you should start doing that with NFTs and you should take, you should, you should allow people to package up every single piece of their own personal information and put it in their own little folder Mm -hmm. that they can control for their, you know, as long as they want that Facebook could pay to access eventually one day that Amazon could pay to get recommendation information out of things Mm -hmm. like that. And then you just start to look at all of the different things that you could plug in. Like imagine if you actually did own your Facebook browsing or your Instagram browsing or your Amazon listening or like your Spotify, your Apple music, all of, all of that data. And you could just shove it into one little package of you. Mm. That'll be coming soon. Yeah. Would you sell it? Like, would you sell it? I think you, you would individual you, would license it to companies. No, but would you? Oh God. So, uh, would I sell mine? No. Yeah. Um, So it's like, who? No, I think most people wouldn't. I. But if you would only have better listening recommendations or like music recommendations or Netflix advertisements, advertisements, exactly. But like, if you could, like, I've already clean slated a lot of like social media, like advertising data, browser stuff like that. And when you go back to a browser after having clean slated all of your 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 cookies and everything like that that it has tracking you, the ads are shit. Like you get like yeah. Home Depot, <laughs> insurance, meat, McDonald's, like yeah. there's cars, there's like a very finite number of like highest spending advertisers that cut through and it doesn't impact your life at all. Most of the time it it doesn't anyway, but like there's some point where I think advertising is going to have to switch to being actual value ads. Mm. And like, you'll just, I mean, I've been, I've been saying this to like the NYU kids that I teach and like the Berkeley kids that I teach for years. Like if you're making ads, don't just make like an ad, like don't make a fucking piece of media. That's an advertisement, make a value ad. Mm -hmm. And if it's a value ad, then you know, you're informing people or, giving them like useful information or beautiful content or something like Mm. that. It's almost like you're not subverting capitalism, but you're um, making the experience of everyone's life better with the thing that you're making instead of just like, Hey, 15% off Ikea. Yeah. Like imagine if there's like 
Uh, and this is where we transfer a couple other companies almost exclusively like made fucking music videos with people like Bjork or other artists or rising artists and said like, look, this is our advertising. Mm-hmm. You like it? This is what we do. We help artists make art mm-hmm. and then give us money if you like what we do as well. And like that I think is going to be, you know, the next kind of like, if you think of trend based marketing how like H and M will market like feminism or, or hop on whatever it yeah. is. Um, I think sustainability and, and like art creation and value ads are all just going to be, people vying for that perception of authenticity mm-hmm. eventually oh, totally because I mean, like <clears throat> that's how we even have a company yeah just because people see that we tap into an authenticity and a, a realness and they're <laughs> like can we hire you to do that for our fake ass fucking company that doesn't stand for anything yeah actually stands for the opposite it stands, <laughs> for, the opposite. It stands <laughs> for the opposite and they're like let's get some of that and we're like we'll do it for a price you motherfucker <laughs> well, <laughs> it steals our stole and we'll the do it for money yeah yeah but and it's fucked up there's got to be a better way i think I what think you're talking about is revolutionary though yeah like, just even the idea that like wait a second we're already they already have all this access to all the, this folder that you're talking about they already have and they, they already pay have us that. for it they have that already they're which is why us. we have to they're like internet v2 is like where the consumer starts with having access and ownership of that. Um, and the companies have to license it out. Internet V1 is all of these companies began with offering you a service for free that you got access to for free because you're a product mm-hmm. right. of that service. And when advertising is like a minute change in your behavior that eventually hopefully makes you do something that generates a company money, um, then, sorry, it's something that inspires that minute change of behavior. Um, then the ad model internet hopefully isn't the next internet because it's a fucking shitty model. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it really just lets people buy your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's a conversation that's been had before, so. Yeah, and like, God, what an amazing like set of universes the internet has opened up especially for people that are more secluded and don't have as much physical community but i think yeah trying to look at it as just that like a portal and a transit to more physical community i think will be more reinforced the more that we do it because it's not a replacement Mm -mm. you know what i mean yeah um Online communities are obviously vital and necessary and we need to put more into them, but it's not yeah. a replacement. No, I think one one um, little three-point thing that uh, I came up with while trying to figure out how advertising works um, is applicable to a lot more than advertising. Like if you're making something, here's how it's going to work. It has to have a connection to a community if nobody knows about it, they're never going to be able to fuck with it. It doesn't matter what it is. If yeah. you're making tables, if you're making films, if you're selling something, like, whatever. You music. Need con- music. You need connection to community. It needs to be accessible. And it needs to be, in some way, a value add. Mm. And if it's not the most accessible and it's just in the middle of the community, like McDonald's, like, mm. it's not that much of a value add, but it'll stop you from being hungry for a minute. Mm. And it doesn't cost much. And those are two you know, things that add value. Like when you think of that in an art perspective and if somebody's going to start cold making art, how they get that out there, it has to come from, 
look, you've got to put it in front of people. Mm-hmm. And that's also where advertising comes in. So like I half the reason that I'm like still happy to work in advertising is cause I just do it for art. Like I, I couldn't do it for Coca-Cola or like a, yeah, a thing like that. For, you do it for artists. I literally do it for music. So yeah. it's like, Hard Those to, wins must be so satisfying too yeah, when you watch man. one of your artists go from like two thousand followers to like forty five thousand followers, or you know, breakthrough, or their songs on TikTok, or you know, um, and then you turning people on to you know a vibe. Yep, and like a lot of it just comes from like the organic shit. Like our our one song that um, I work with an artist called K Camp, and he has a song called Lottery, and it became known for something called the Renegade Dance, which is when um, a 14-year-old dancer in Atlanta made a TikTok dance that got huge viral pickup. But, like, for months and months and months and months and months, we had been, like, slow-burning this record in the dance community forever. Uh Like, we made this record in Jungle City in Alicia Keys' studio in in New York on a shitty rainy day on a not-sold-out tour... And, like, we heard it, and it almost blew out the speakers of, like, our MacBook we were listening to on, on the, in the hotel room. And it was like, oh, we got one. Mm-hmm. And then um, we knew it was a dance record. As soon as we put out the audio, people started dancing to it and putting it on YouTube. We started, like, reposting those dances from, like, our actual artist socials. And a lot of large artists don't do things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when, like, yeah. eventually we came around to making a music video we'd seen like trends in K-pop and shit. Like, Hey, if you want a lot of people to interact with your music, work with this specific community mm-hmm. that will make things explode to a bigger community. So like we put 17 choreographers in a music video that cost very little to create. And then we exclusively marketed that music video via ads to a dance community mm. for ages. And eventually there's, 10 billion views on this song and 35 wow. million videos with the, wow. the song in the background. So it's not like, a coincidence. No, it's not. I mean, sometimes there are coincidences. I think it's very rare. Um, but do you think... The, it's? I can't even think of a time where you'd attribute it to coincidence. Even if it is a coincidence, yeah. don't you think it's also reflective of like how much effort you put into the universe? Like, mm. I kind of... I'm on this yeah. vibe where I'm like, yo, I might not be working in the right way for this thing and how it's going to come back but me showing up every day and s- moving momentum like i feel like i have this universe that's like looking back at me yeah. and like oh she really wants this thing yep. <laughs> yeah. and there's a there's a lot of people like this is where uh i really like the observer effect in human behavior so like if you think of in quantum physics when you look at an atom and because you look at it uh your act of looking at it with the machine requires some energy it moves the atom and it changes particles it changes particles change light particles it can change what it is and we've you know scientifically something doesn't require a consciousness Mm. to be subject to the observer effect and consciousness of the observer is not required either so like if you have a machine looking at a molecule we've observed into like you know large size molecules which is decently sized um that by looking at it, you can change it. You can move it. And the act of watching something changes what it's doing and changes what it is. Mm. And then you think of people, you know, watching who has seen their Instagram story or creating something know that it's knowing that it's going to be viewed mm. or when they're on camera and they behave differently. All of those things, like when the observer effect 
is happening and you're watching someone and you're acting differently because you're watching them, even even if you're just acting differently by watching them mm-hmm. and you're not going through your life and being super present or whatever and they know they're being watched or they're doing something that's going to be watched so they behave differently, that is what causes quantum entanglement mm. in people. And quantum entanglement is like when you can't tell what the state of something is because it's stuck in this this loop. Dope. Yeah. So... You get screens out of people's faces. Mm. You teach them to just go live their lives. And then you solve a bunch of quantum entanglement. The other night here, um, my one of my best friend, uh, witchy friends, Alexa, mm. and I, we came out of the K-hole and realized, <laughs> oh my God, clowns solve quantum entanglement because they behave the same way when they're being watched as when they're not being watched. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so jump so, in here. So, <laughs> so, can, so can you know that for sure though? I think I think it's different for each clown. Yeah, no. But yeah, I but I think I think that's also where like that's also where play and the state of play or the state of being in flow like it doesn't fuck it. Yeah. Like, if you're in the groove. So I think it's yep. yeah, it's less of like the act of watching something and more of the belief of the consciousness around another belief system of consciousness and all matter is a belief system of consciousness. Mm. Oh, one sec. And Can so you say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. Am, Amir am, talks on the podcast and I'm like, we got to slow these down. I, 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 I missed like an inception layer. Yeah. And like, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, like what Cass is saying about like, you know, you kind of get what you put in with the universe and that's true. And I think that we're coming to find even more so that like, you also get what you believe. Right. And there's a whole new layer of give and take with that too, because it does seem like you meet some people who work seemingly physically less and get a lot more out of life because they expect to get more and they mm. sort of believe that they should get more. You said that about me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. But I do Case think to be, I do think to be successful in the world, you obviously have a need to have a good combination of like hard work, but also believing that you deserve the things that you want in life, which is like honestly right. a pretty deep and rare thing to come across because we're all pretty like self-loathing and carry a lot of guilt and judgment and whatever yeah. the hell. So I like, don't, I don't even know if it's that you believe that you want the thing. I think like, cause I don't believe like, Oh, I don't think I want this thing or that like, you but, deserve but, it or that I deserve it. But like, I think I'm like, Oh yeah. Capable of that. Definitely. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely that can the, do that. Yeah. The, yeah. The yeah. circling back around to the limitlessness that we were talking about earlier. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also, uh, with the whole observer effect we were talking about, really is the whole, um, like, drugs don't exist because we're all influencing each other all the time just by being around each other, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like Salvador Dali said, like, when they're like, what drugs do you do? And he's like, I am drugs. Yeah. And you're like, yes. yeah, yeah, they're in us. And Definitely. we're not even just talking about, like, kundalini ascension shit when you're doing yoga. Like, it's... Yeah, you're affected. You're... Yeah. Yeah, we're all affecting each other. And so we're affected by the objects that we have, too. You know, mm. and th- like that's why it can be so powerful to just like remove something from your house that's from like an old relationship or something. Mm. Cutting off your hair, that too. Holy shit! That Putting a bed huge. in your living room. See what happens. Changes too. your life. <laughs> Game changer. Let's fuck around and find out. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Now we have a bed in the living room. It has changed our trajectory in some way. As someone who manages artists, and I think that there's a lot of artists that listen to this podcast. And I really like what you're saying about, like, this holistic approach. Oh, boy. And, like, thinking outside the box. But, like, this is, I don't know. 
I, I just well, I want to open space for you to pontificate on that yeah. a little bit because I think I, that there's so much value in that. I manage artists in a very atypical way. So, yeah. like, what I do is I will work with people who want to start businesses or a lot of the, the time, like, I got into artist management because artists saw me being, like, a, a music industry leading consultant i like helped bring the marketing departments of universal music uh in-house to the company so they used to use a bunch of agencies in 30 countries around the world then they're like screw it it's way more cost effective to do this ourselves as it is and um i was the person who like helped bring that whole movement to the broader music industry of hey managers if you are controlling the marketing for your artist then the artist, like, you know, you and the artist, assuming the manager is actually working on the behalf of the artist, which is like, if, if, if that's not a given and something screwed up, um, when the artist's will is directly behind the marketing that's happening or like the creative that's coming out or the, the whole plot and rollout of a record, it's way more powerful than when, hey, this big 150-year-old beast of a company that owns all of the pipes to getting music famous has decided this is what the art is. Right. Um, so yeah. a couple, a couple rappers basically said like, look, man, we are screwed in hip hop. Like industry is messed up all sorts of different ways. Um, everything from just like the genuine slavery and racism that goes into a lot of like hip hop contracts or relationships, or even the way that the, the label interacts with people is so different from the pop world. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yo, we need your help. We need people like you on this other side of the industry plugged in to the top of the business-to-business food chain helping the artists. And I was like, right. oh, oh, you're right. And then um, basically I moved back to America and kicked off the 501c6 trade body in the U.S. Um, called the Music Managers Forum, which has been around for years but hasn't been super active since the era of before CDs. And relaunch that whole thing just to try to help managers and self-managed artists have more an idea, more of an idea of how can you access funding, how can you carve things out in your contracts, how can you own the data that otherwise like Facebook or YouTube or Amazon or whatever is or Universal Music or Spotify is owning. How do you make sure that you're owning that, they're paying you for it, if they're even getting access to it, and things like that. So when... I started working with artists It's because they wanted to start bigger companies. Like they wanted to start their own record label and their own studio and their own marketing company so they could do all of it themselves. And I was like, sure, I know how to do all that. It got different when artists who don't so much want to start companies were like, hey, you're the person who can help us live the right life while we're still being an artist. And like recently... Um, I'd say uh, Maddie Noyes is the best example of an artist I've been working with whom we're not super focused on starting companies, but like she was on The Weeknd's second album when she was like 17, and she's been in the music industry like longer than I've been an artist manager. So I'm like learning from her all the time, and she's just this absolute badass who is also like grounded, wants to make art, wants to be a pop star, um, and the reason we started working together is basically because we recognized that we both go deep enough. Mm -hmm. 
and we can go deep enough with each other relationally from like you know a perspective of of how we view the world how we want to interact with people the depth of art the you know what's good um psychedelics may be involved uh, <laughs> that's part of any good relationship it's, it's yeah. important important um starting point but but most of the time management in my capacity the way that i'm working people is i'm when i'm working with an artist i'm giving a grown-ass human advice and they can choose to take it or leave it mm. Mm. and like i'm basically something like uh like a marketing consultant, lawyer, accountant, security guard, drug dealer, psychiatrist, therapist, <laughs> mom, dad, best friend, like little brother. It's like it, yeah. it, the, the relationship runs the gambit, but that also brought me to the conclusion that I really couldn't work in uh, a large normal company again because it would be such a reduction of love from my life. Yeah. And that the way work life balance is, is usually more of a work love balance because Mm -hmm. when you're at work, a lot of people are not getting any love Mm -hmm. in that time of day. And they're getting like, you know, whether it's from their work relationships, they have them all sectioned off. Mm. And I'm not saying we should just be like fucking everyone in the workplace and nothing like that, but like we should be able to go deep and, administer to each other's goals and creativity and you know love well-being all sorts of things like that so it's i don't know i'm I'm just at the point where i want to help uh a lot of people and this is brings us back to the factory like if you can take somebody who works at a factory and reintroduce love between the relationships of their coworkers and initial creativity to somebody who's in a mechanized role. Mm. They're doing the job that can also be done by a machine. How do you do that? And the answer kind of came down to, like, play, giving people time, giving people space. And if you think of, like, if if you could look up everybody who worked on this shirt or this shirt had, like, a signature from every single person who worked on it. There's probably, like, ten people who worked on this shirt. And... Uh, I kind of had this idea of if we're making clothes and we put a way for you, the consumer, the owner of the clothing, to connect with all of the people who made each clothing item and see all of the other clothing items that that person made, there's a, a, a whole different exchange of integrity of work because the person who works in the textile factory or whatever is now received as an artisan again and you can see their whole portfolio of work mm. that otherwise is just behind a, a closed door of a factory and mm. inversely if i talk to some of my you know very very high tier fashion friends who will stitch like the fashion week pieces for the hill figure brothers and stuff like that and they think about what they fall back on if they're not inspired they will look at a photo of whatever client or whatever person they're making the clothing for, and they'll think, wow, look at that person. Mm. And that reintroduces respect for what you're doing. It reintroduces like uh, a sense of purpose to what otherwise might be running a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. And if you're running a sewing machine all day and you don't feel like you're you know, elevated or, or free or 
I don't even want to say in flow there because you can get in flow state doing menial work, but like, you know, being creative and, and helping people and, and helping move the world up to a higher vibe, I think it's very hard. Yeah. So eventually, basically, the, the summary is I got a factory so I could install chips on clothing <laughs> and we could connect those chips to NFTs <laughs> so that each of the factory workers and each of the purchasers of the clothes could smart access each other why and is it that install chips has such a negative i connotation? know it's so like crazy. you're talking about something and then you say install chips and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like a little mini brain stroke like, <laughs> so my cyborg friends are like yo you should start shipping people with their nf their nft chips of all their data and i'm like i think we're we not far from it we're not far I don't know if I need to be the one who does that would you do it <laughs> if there was an nft chip or whatever that you could i be? still might just do it for the pr yeah. 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 Just because, like... Every photo of you is uh, now attached to you. Every photo, every, all of my Facebook download, all of my Spotify download, and, like, every time I, like, tap it to this one NFC chip reader, like, it updates all of my... all of those data pools from those sources. Like, that's a very easy, semi-artistic, like, critical, here's where the world is with data ownership. And, and a lot of the, the talk of NFTs is, like, Owning something. So an NFT is like, oh God, do we want to go down this path right now? We're gonna <laughs> do, I'll do a super short summary of NFTs. Um, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. That means something is unique and it can be shown that it is unique. Now, when we put something like that on a blockchain and we say, hey, here is a contract for a house. Um, it's for this specific house. Only one person can own this contract at a time. Um, that's a pretty easy way to think, oh, okay, so if I buy that contract while it's an NFT, that's straightforward. Then that's like a very practical kind of utilitarian use of, of NFTs. Most people have just been taking works of art that they've created, uh, setting them up as a token, and then selling them in a new form of direct-to-consumer sale where you can see who posted the art, you can see uh, who buys the art, and you know the, the creator and poster of the art gets the money directly. And that's cool. Because all of that shit is done on top of different blockchains or in different programmable systems, that means creators have the control to post things. Their community can visibly see that the actual creator, if it's authenticated or whatever, posted it. And they can then purchase it directly. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of, you know, it can apply to physical goods. It can apply to digital goods. Right now, collectibles, um, limited run art uh, passes, like, hey, you own this thing. If it lets you access a, a concert or something. Or games are kind of the three main uses of this. And I think... Uh, on the consumer side, like outside of the entertainment industry, a lot of what NFTs have to offer is just like it's a verifiable transaction that anybody who has access to the blockchain on which the transaction is registered can look it up. And if that's the deed to a house and only the person who owns the deed to the house can sell the deed to the house but everybody else can see who owns it and everything like that. That's how they're using it for things like real estate in Africa. Mm. If you think of art, it's pretty straightforward as well, but like the reality is there aren't hundreds of millions of people out there buying 
art every day, so we've seen some drop off in the art on NFTs market in the last couple months. And then other things like, you know, concert tickets, uh, albums, albums, the, like having access to something and using an NFT as the, the pass where if you own this, it allows you to unlock this. That'll, you know, it's a great simple use. Eventually, all of this shit becomes really, really useful uh, down the 3D printing line because cryptocurrencies are primarily backed by processing power and energy. So if the amount of energy and the base material materials and the blueprint for printing are the only three things required for a 3D printer to print your food, your new iPhone, your candle, whatever. It's, you know, a blueprint, um, it's base material molecules, and it's electricity, basically. Then the cost of that can be described all on... The, the, the transaction and the cost become the same thing mm -hmm. because it will all be backed by energy. Mm. which is wacky because if you could take the molecules from a candle and turn it into a cake or if you could take the molecules from a glass and turn it into a cake those two things would require different types of molecular manipulations and like we're in star trek land now but like if the yeah. human race ever makes it here um it'll be really cool because like imagine if you buy an nft of a candle and the nft contains a single use blueprint the uh, electrical formula that you need your 3D printer needs to use cool. for switching molecules into a candle, and then the amount of electricity. All of those things are described as a currency which is created through electricity. Wow! So that's some fun future. There's shit. no, there's no shipping. There's no, <laughs> there's no shipping. distribution. There's no manufacturing. You here. could, you could account for all of that too. So one, so. Uh, we've started describing like the the 3D printing futures as de-commerce, like it's it's decentralized commerce. Cool. And then you could bake in the shipping costs, you could bake in the environmental impact, you could bake in the fuel, mm -hmm. everything. You could bake all of those in to the cost of a good, along with the record that the good has been sold on a on a on a on a blockchain transaction. Like you can add all of those costs of energy and everything in one place. And that's that's the only point where, like, crypto... Not the only point. It's one of the main points at which cryptocurrencies have, like, a, a different kind of advantage over fiat currencies like the dollar or just database transactions, like when you buy something on Shopify. Mm. Um, yeah, that's some real... <laughs> that's in future you're shit. a man oh, of yeah. the future man Mowgli oh. wanted to sit in for that Mowgli's very interested <laughs> in NFTs yeah. whoa NFTs <laughs> yeah, he's like what <laughs> I never heard anything <laughs> like this before wait I <laughs> thought no, he was a Hawaiian bra he talks pigeon oh yeah no, I know. <laughs> so how does he say it how does he say it <laughs> <laughs> the I'm internet will judge you forever on this someone. yeah don't <laughs> be one I would get cancelled even more than I already have yeah true so Damn, let me just air good. out the rest of my controversial opinions. Since yeah. That's obviously been a theme of this podcast. <laughs> Airing of opinions. <laughs> Do we need any more clothes? Oh, I don't think so. <sighs> Ever. I have, uh, I have no. six shirts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Do we, like, it feels like maybe, maybe we just need 
recycling plants. This is also where 3D printing gets real cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then the other thing is like, okay, you yeah, we like you can make their job super amazing and cool. Mm. But isn't outsourcing to robots essentially? That's what we're trying. That's what we're. Awesome? That's what we're trying yeah. to do. Because then they don't yeah. have to do the work. I'm down Fuck with that too. Yeah. But we just don't want screw the work. Only yeah. the top screw uh, the clothes. CEO being the only one who benefits <laughs> from that. You yeah. Know? Like we should be getting paid because we don't have to do as much work. No. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's. I'm right with you. Universal basic. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Robot tax is cool. Yeah. I do want to do um, a Church of Chill sweatshirt in the fall that has all these secret drug pockets, though. Oh. And I want it to be not very so quality. No, now they're not going to be secret. Cass's. Well, if the TSA. <laughs> Most people haven't seen this it's podcast the cool in the TSA. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, we might need your help with that. If you're in the TSA, don't be a narc. Yeah, oh, don't yeah. be a narc. Don't I don't think narc. that. You know what? I have to say. I think they're mostly cool. They seem like they, they have to do a weird ass job. Every TSA person I met, I love. Yeah. They Homie. never bust balls about the drugs, really. And I know they're there for the bombs. They're there for the bombs. They Sometimes they let you keep your lotion. I've I've kept a lotion or two. <laughs> they they go like they put your jar of weed right to the side. They you know they the took my hot sauce the other day though. It's mm. rough. Yeah. They were like, we want this. They're like, oh, yeah, whoa, they were missing whoa, there. Franks. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't have those high quality brands. <laughs> 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 you travel with hot sauce usually. in your purse Swag. pretty frequently i usually have like a little little bottle of jack <laughs> and and some hot sauce damn a little uh, jack daniels little a little like the airline jack daniels like i'll just get like a, a diet coke and jack on that really flights. frames you differently and it, I'll just, it really does it oh. changes everything it's almost <laughs> it is it is it is it is almost never for me though. That's the thing. Mm. Oh, when that's you have someone next to you that's freaking out, you're like, "Here, take." this. It's usually for artists. Yeah. Okay. It's like I've got. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like having a blast. <laughs> it's like hit this. Yeah. I'm thinking like, about getting a Valium tranquilizer. Yeah. Oh my god. Don't you need one of those in your life? Oh, I know someone who has an oxytocin um, vape. Like they make oxytocin nebulizers. And you just like kneel like, on somebody's arms and would. like this is the future blow of drugs. This is this is the future of injecting people with empathy. What? Like just <laughs> here, hit this. Whoa. Wait, so you can oh vaporize oxytocin. oxytocin, like the drug that when you're falling in love. Yes, when you sex. you're it's having like sex. It's like those wafers in Rick and you're, Morty. You're you're holding someone for like eight seconds. Yeah. Um, you're kissing someone, like oxytocin, MDMA, oxytocin. What? You can get this. I don't. I think I think it'll be really good for a lot of people. Like I met this monster of a person who works for Instagram. And is like, yo, censorship, hell yeah! Like, <laughs> you want to be like, locals. here, hit this, it's DMT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit like, hit this, you'll go somewhere. And like, hit this, it's tobacco. Hit yeah. this, yeah, anything. But yeah. sometimes the means to an end, y'all. Hoppe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we em. need the and we need the double nausea. It's ones, coming. You know, it's coming. I mean? it's coming. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have it's a, we have a, a very interesting you, shipment. Coming. One of those a Valium tranquilizer going. Ready oh, to hold yeah. any kind of ceremony. Yeah, I think any totally. kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Freak out on me. Mm. I dare you. Mm. Jesus Christ, that's the future of drugs. You hit someone with oxytocin. oxytocin. You just cut straight. You just chase. immediately bonded. <laughs> yeah. You're like, boom, we're t- we're soul bonded. Soul bonded. We have soul bonded. <laughs> <laughs> I have Slut initiated dragons. a soul bond with the Phoenix. <laughs> Holy. Fuck. Yeah, it's like that. You create some karmic entanglement if you fucking. Maybe. So another thing Maybe. about quantum you know. entanglement that I'm not too Maybe. keen on is like 
calling it quantum entanglement because like the most recent major use of entanglement is uh will and jada pinkett smith and their entanglements <laughs> uh with, with other people and and like the word entanglement is basically a negative thing but we don't know if it's fucking negative we're just i don't think of it as we're just I stuck in each word... other's loop yeah it's and, cool and who knows what that means oh my yeah. god entanglement is what i was talking about earlier with influence and sobriety and limitlessness guys entanglement thing. is the name of this episode yeah Quantum can't, can't get away. Can't get away from it. Quantum is a little bit of a less favorable word in my mind these days because it seems like people say it. Quantum just means it's it a lot. Quantum, yeah. quantum like, for the viewers, it basically just means it's more than binary, mm. and it might be four, it might be a little bit more, but mm. like. Rick and Morty taught us a lot about that in that episode where they kept breaking time. Oh was, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking we gotta watch that episode where uh, the Vat of Acid one has it too. They get the tranquilizer for uh, Jessica to fall in love with Morty, but then it spreads to the whole town. Oh yeah, oh, the the, the guys. Great. I haven't seen that one in a second. I gotta yeah. rewatch that one. That's yep. a good one. That's like yep. the fifth episode or yep. something. Yeah. Yep. Classic. <laughs> Cronenberg. Cronenberg's. Yeah. Cronenberg's everywhere. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, so you can get entangled. I, I think there's a lot of parasocial uh, entanglement. What that, does parasocial mean? Uh, meaning somebody that you have a one-way relationship with via social media. Maybe they don't know you. Maybe oh. it's a podcast. Like, you've listened to every episode of Joe Rogan. Every you have, single He's, one. like, basically your BFF. I basically know his entire life for, like, 15 yeah. years now. You or have a parasocial shit. relationship with, yeah, yeah, with yeah, Joe yeah. Rogan. Uh-huh. Like, you know. Um, oh, it's crazy. I don't know that word. And, and, it's, and it's an entanglement it's on an entanglement. a level. You know, it's so weird. It's so weird because I feel like this is like the first time in history where we're getting mega dosed with that. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, I'm not crazy. Uh, I basically over COVID was locked up in my 680 square foot apartment. Had and, never um, heard of Joe Rogan. Had never, ever, ever listened to Joe Rogan, watched a comedy special, anything like that. And then um, someone sent me some great interview. I can't even remember what it was. I think it was... Uh, it might have been Dennis McKenna. It might have been like one of the the mythology mm. episodes. I can't remember. But anyway, Paul Stamets. Somewhere, somewhere along that line, I was like, "Yo, this shit's great." And then I watched like three episodes a day as <laughs> I was just going through my work day. Total you know, turned into a total Rogan bro. at one time speed. Then I discovered yeah the speed multiple button, and I was like, "Oh." So there's 1,500 episodes. They're basically two hours long. I hit this bitch at 3.5 times speed. Pew! And yeah. I just used it basically to download the knowledge of <clears throat> everyone that was in that show. And then a bunch of shitty comedy. And then some funny comedy. And then yeah. I'm, I've skipped the MMA episodes, basically, yeah. for the most part. Except for, like, um, with a lot of the coaches and people like Francis Ngannou. Mm. And, like... You can learn Maybe we can yeah. watch them together since that seems to be my life trajectory. You just burn through just the MMA say, shows, 200 episodes. I was yeah. just going to say, multiple people having this vision for Mare being an MMA fighter <laughs> yeah. is really hilarious. Yeah. It does I, get her I laughing. I would not want to fight Mare. Oh, hell no, would, no dude. Way. She's got like half a foot on me. Like, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Shit, And man. some life experience. And some could. fucking experience. <laughs> she told me she could she could beat me in a fight, and I, I thought that's when I started thinking about this. And then I, I, without me even mentioning it, Joey said the same thing. He was like, "Mare could be an MMA fighter." I was like, "I know." I just want to see her like walk down. I'd the pay to aisle. watch her tap someone out. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Br- those fighter braids, and she comes charging out. You know, so scary. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. You know who else could be a fighter? Alexa. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. she'd be. A, you guys would be a good tag team. Yeah. Just taking bitches Yo, down. Yo, they it, like there's this. 
in, in Russia, they have like ten on ten MMA fights. No, no. like they have no fucking way. teams. Oh Wait, my is that God. on YouTube? That's on YouTube. We can we can watch some of this Dude. shit afterward. It is mind blowing. Like, what? imagine there's an obstacle course and they just open the gates and like ten on ten teams run at each other. Wow, and it is that here? It is the. They might. I don't know if they do. Holy like, shit, but, dude. It's a lot to keep an eye on. Wow. It's crazy, though. That's but imagine, like, awesome. if you're the one guy who gets cornered by three UFC motherfuckers, oh. and you're just dead. <laughs> That's oh definitely dead. the future of MMA. Yeah. So I'm kind of over yeah. this one-on-one thing. Yeah, the one-on-one yeah. on one thing. It's a little too <laughs> personal and brutal. It's cool. The storyline gets involved. It, like, it gets people's emotions up. And, but, but imagine like, gangs. Five on five. Five on five, and you, like, you get to know these guys over the course of a season. Gang, gang <laughs> As soon as you said gang. They are. As soon as you said gang, it's like, ooh. Yeah. No, I was there. <laughs> before you said it you know what i mean because yeah fighting is oh, it's very intimate very like intimate sport yeah it is oh and actually, you know what i mean it's one of the most intimate sports there is yeah <laughs> imagine that a warrior style fighting league you just have oh, to call it warriors and we yeah. have a reality show that pairs with it where they live in a house always yeah. under surveillance of course, together that's even Can more interesting you they all fuck the same girl yeah oh man and each other now it's gang wars gang bangs yeah. gang I mean I didn't mean at the same time gang but gangs it oh. could be <laughs> it would definitely happen off camera if not on camera Ooh. oh man we're pitching good we're this pitching. is good shit this is a good pitch this Dana good White pitch. if you're listening yeah here it is <laughs> <laughs> gang house holy fuck <laughs> gang. sequel to the UFC <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Futurama trope uh, yeah after man. the UFC you came to part two with gang house mm. and like that is the fucking future man damn dude fucking incredible do you want to keep doing it or do you want to fucking look at this we, we did just great. fucking talked for an hour and 22 minutes time. like nothing <laughs> you can talk it's for seven more if you want it's probably what we'll keep doing but you know we're vibing i think we're i think i may take a little bit more of this acid yeah hey pass that shit we've been having yeah we should have another drop wait are you I don't on think the i've ever done this on camera are you it's on the orange sunshine well, no we're on the microdose version of it oh god we're on the microdose wait but the stuff oh, i gave you guys no okay, we're scared okay. of that I know that's why we should do it. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll have to do a full drop. This is a microdose. Okay, We're, okay. It's it's more than a microdose. It's. Uh, Are you smoking it? No. Oh, oh my god. Okay. Can you? <gasps> I don't know. I don't know if it metabolizes that way. Yeah. Viewers, mm. if you know if you can metabolize acid via smoking, do like it. two of them. Somebody would have already done that. That yeah. at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You guys want to see? Yeah. Oh my god. That's, oh, yeah. He smokes an right. acid-laced cigarette, but I think it was more probably more PCP would be would do that. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fun yes. times. Fun times with Wes. It's always fun time with Wes. We have we've had so many adventures. We, the the movie that you and I are gonna make. Oh my god. Should we tease it out to the real fans who are who are this deep into this? If you're this deep in, you can. Yeah. If you you're this deep this. in. Okay. Well, the uh, Martin Scorsese already made the the movie The Irishman, but this is The Irishman. The Irishman. <laughs> and it's us in a clown motel <laughs> that we know about in the desert. And um, it's like uh, probably a five-day production of us um, doing copious amounts of uh, drugs, uh, you know, that are... And we added this element the other night where Alexa just comes to the door and there's just a knock on the door maybe every two hours and it's like, here you go. And we really have no choice it's about however it. much time and she'll just present us with whatever drug we're doing next and we just have to do it. And there maybe might some be weird person too, yeah. There might be yeah. some other people. We might have to fight Mare. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we get Mare comes in dresses a kangaroo with <laughs> boxing gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> we have to fight her. So it's just I'm already, y'all ain't painting me enough. I already know. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
This is our fear and loathing. You know, I just feel the like, Irishman. <laughs> the Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> and this, the, the place I'm thinking about shooting, it has a cemetery in the backyard, and the people that work there are fucking weirdos. We'll There's be there characters. for days. Yeah, we'll be there for days, yeah. just to, like, just doing whatever, you know, and trying to hold it together and trying to go deep. <laughs> Armed and, to the teeth. Oh yeah, totally. Quantum. Talk about quantum entanglement. You guys man. might come out clowns too. <laughs> yeah, I'm going oh in clowns. God. Oh, if we go in a prison oh, jumpsuit. Oh, oh my god! Can you imagine if we go in like as handcuffed? Like, oh my god! There's so many. Yeah. Oh, should we handcuff you guys to each other? Oh, that's, that's oh. gonna be one of them. She just comes in with handcuffs. That could be like a two-hour stint. Yeah. Oh, I'm, we're like, Damn. imagine <laughs> what drug would be terrible to be handcuffed to somebody on. Most drugs. Most. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Okay. He's weird-handed, and I would have to be handcuffed to him, and he'd be yeah. doing. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like <laughs> alien-handing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know, stay tuned for that movie coming out one day. Uh, maybe someday soon. I'm Probably, actually. I'm very. I don't know, we could film it this year. I feel like we could do it this year. We could do it this really week. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it'd be like an hour long experience of us freaks bouncing off the walls in some hotel room. So, yeah, stay tuned to, for that and lots of other <laughs> collaborations with Wes. You're our guy. We barely scratched the surface with you, but uh, this was fucking fun. One day we'll have you sing us a little did- ditty. We're going to make mm. you sing today. That's why we just mm. gave you that drop. Oh, boy. <laughs> sing for your supper, Wes. Yes. We're going to go up to the roof and sing opera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've been singing a lot more the last couple of months. Oh. I've been calling moving. it in. Yeah. Mary's been calling I'm it calling in. in. We're going to get him to sing. I'll take credit for it. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> we're quantumly entangled. Yeah. We're entangled. We're in an entanglement. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening, y'all. This is Wes. He's our boy. Thanks, and guys. Of course, Mayor, me, and Cass. Uh, Church of Chill, or patreon.com slash Church of Chill to get in on the rest of the action. Bonus episodes, our Discord community, and the music fucking bless. Which Join the, the Hungry Souls Entanglement Club. Yeah. yeah. Hungry Souls Radio. Yeah. Mm. Oh. That's not a bad. Oh. Yeah, Hungry Souls Radio. Hungry Souls Radio coming alongside the Irish men. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the soundtrack. Let's write that down. That could be a good Yeah, one. definitely. Should we end this with a shot on my blister? Oh, no. my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, as long as we don't please, pop it. Please get that in to, there. Hold it up to that camera. Yeah, yeah, you're, not, focus this on is my, yeah. you're not working hard enough. You're yeah. not working hard enough. That's, that's how much Mara wants to learn guitar. She's it's willing been like to, that for five days. That's so gnarly. She sacrificed oh her thumb. <laughs> We're waiting for that thing to pop out. Right? I'm Ugh. waiting for it to get together. You yeah, know? god damn. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, peace and love, fuckers. Peace and love, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>